What's up, FitFam? This is Giovanni of Geo's Logic, your host of Fitness Junkies. Today we have a great show, but before that, I hope this show meets you in good health and spirits, and if not, I'm sure this show is going to inspire you to do something about it. <laughs> because my guest here is a coach of coaches, um, an entrepreneur, uh, another fellow podcast host, Sean Alexander. How are you, buddy? Good, Joe. How are you, man? Good. Thanks for having me here. I appreciate it. No, I'm, I'm really excited. We've been talking about this for weeks now. Yeah, I'm pretty excited, too, to be honest. And um, when I first met you, you really blew me away because, you know, you talk about your look and then what comes out of it. A lot of times many people have preconceived notions of who you are and what you're about to say. And your mind is as strong as your body looks. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. Very nice of you. Yeah. Um, another thing that um, I noticed was... I believe we have similar mentors and people that we look to. The, you know, I think, um, and, and you might even be on another level, but um, before we get into all that, let's, let's hear about your fitness journey. How did you um, start? And we can go as far back as you want to go. Sure. I mean, the, the, the short version of it is uh, I grew up in a very toxic, dysfunctional, destructive family. Um, super abusive physically emotionally uh my father used to beat the shit out of me all the time uh and then over the course of x amount of years of dealing with depression because of that uh i got into i got heavily into drugs i was uh using i don't even there wasn't even five minutes that would go by where i wasn't high um you know and uh the common question people ask me well what was your choice of drug there was three of my choice of drugs was cocaine, weed, and acid um, regularly. I, I experimented, and experimented and had fun with everything else. Uh, There's a couple things I just did not like, so I never really got too far into them, but those, those three that I just mentioned were my regular daily choices. Wow. And, uh, you know, I was addicted for, uh, well, I'm still an addict. Well, always, I'm always going to be an addict, but I'm no longer a drug addict. And um, I was using for almost a decade and uh pretty much had zero childhood without being sober so wow. from 12 to almost 21 i was using wow so young yeah so there's there's my that whole childhood my whole my entire teen years i just realized that my entire teen years was all using the entire time and how okay that that doesn't make sense because you're an intelligent person like you must have gone to school and picked up something i uh to be so i always had this dream of you know being an attorney going to law school i wanted to go to corporate law i have i'm i guess some people say i'm talented when it comes to debate and communication and um one thing i say is my awareness my self-awareness was always on point, even at a young age. It was very weird, and I think I had developed that right away because of what I went through with my family and the, and the child abuse. It kind of just honed in on my senses because that's all I can do and just be weary of everything around me, my, the people around me, the family members, because um, no one protected me. And so I had to figure out a way to escape reality 
And so like while I was using, I was still aware of like just the things that were going on, but I just didn't care about life anymore. I hated my family. I hated my parents. I hated my sister. Um, I hated my relatives. Everyone was judging me because I was using, but no one was looking at the raw reason of like, why is he using? Why is he down this path? Mom and dad are abusive. Sister's abusive. Depression. But instead, I'm getting judged for using as opposed to like, is there any way we can help him out? And where was this? Where were you growing up? This is in California. Okay. You know, so then, uh, and I wasn't afraid to die. And that's why I was using so heavily because I was like, if I die, I die. If I don't, I don't. But, you know, I just didn't care. Uh, I just wanted to escape reality. And then uh, at some point, I would say almost every addict goes through this. Uh, it got to a point where, like, I started to really wanting to die. Mm. And uh, so I became suicidal and made a couple attempts. And, uh, uh, you know, I just kind of had this awakening moment. And I was like, you know what? I deserve a chance. And then the rest became history from that point. And I just submerged myself into personal growth, developing, rewiring my brain. Um, how can I channel my addiction to healthy obsessions? Um, you know, that's been that's been my slogan forever, especially when I work with with people that are in the mental health sector is is changing your addictions to healthy obsessions. That's been yeah. my slogan and I live by that. Yeah. Um, you know, and then like I said, I just submerged myself into that world and got into health and fitness and nutrition just for the sole purpose of getting myself healthy. Cause I was so self-destructive and that self-talk was just so bad that I knew, let me just try, let me do the exact opposite of what I had done the last 10 years. So I'm going to go from using drugs to just getting completely healthy. And I just, I went all in. Um, and I never relapsed, which when I speak to a lot of addicts, they try to say like, well, you're not an addict. Addicts always relapse. Well, not all relapse. Mm. Um, you know, and for me, because I wasn't afraid to die and because I was suicidal, I kind of, I got a funny saying about it. I made, I made a deal with the devil when I chose to get sober and I made a pact and took an oath to myself that if I relapse, I'm going to put my gun in my mouth and pull the trigger. And that stuck to me. It wasn't just some like saying, and I didn't tell anybody about that either. Just something that I held very close to my heart and in my mind where I'm going to, I'm going to pull, pull through this because if I don't, I'm not going to hesitate on pulling the trigger either. And that's kind that was kind of my foundation of don't relapse, don't relapse, don't relapse, work on yourself all the time. And I isolated myself from most people that I was growing up with. I had to, I isolated myself. I didn't even go into, I stayed out of a relationship for about a year and a half. And, uh, and I just knew that I had to be around very successful people that were making great money, living great lives. And that helped expand my horizons and expand my mind and how to, how and where to channel my energy and my thoughts. And, you know, so the, and the rest became history. Nice. Nice. So I teach and I believe that pain is a great motivator. hundred percent. What, if you can dial it down to what was the day or the thing that finally got you to say enough? Uh, so I, I woke up and I was like, I'm fucking sick and tired. I've been sick and tired. Am I allowed to cuss? No, go ahead. <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah, I woke up and, you know, when you've been using for so long and doing it a lot, at, 
it eventually catches up where you just where you really are just sick all the time. You don't feel good. You feel like shit. And the only way you don't feel like shit is by you know using more. Right. Um, you know, so it's this endless cycle. It's a black hole. Um, but I had just gotten to the point where I'm just like, I'm tired of feeling this way. And I realized like I'm more depressed than I was before I started using because I was just so in deep. And I was about to turn 21. And I'm like, I don't want to live. I don't want to, I don't care to see 21. And uh, I was about to jump off, jump out my, uh, uh, my second story bedroom. And there was a glass table like right below my room Mm -hmm. in the backyard. And I just knew I was, I'm going to face dive it in this thing and call it a day. Um, Like I said, I wasn't afraid. And then as I'm getting ready to, I just kind of had, I was just in my thoughts, regretting everything about life, hating life. And uh, I guess this was, this, these were the chips that I, this was the cards that I was dealt and I'm just going to go ahead and call it a day. And, uh, um, I had an awakening right before I was about to do it. And, you know, whatever you believe in, I felt like God came to me and spoke to me. I was like, Sean, it's not your time yet. And you deserve a chance. You've had no childhood at all. Wow. From getting beaten to drugs, there was no normalcy from four years old till almost 21. Everything was destructive, abusive, um, very toxic. So I was like, okay. If that thought just entered my head, then I should listen to it for a second here. And then I just kind of, uh, I kind of sat there with my legs dangling out the door and out, out the window, and um, I was like, I was probably there for like a couple hours. Mom's at work, and I'm just kind of deep in my thoughts. I'm sweating. I'm crying. Um, confused. And uh, I was like, okay, let's give this a shot. So I went back in pulled out a notebook and I just started to write everything. My thoughts, my feelings, my emotions, how much I hated my life, what my life was like. I basically pretty much like almost wrote a book, but just in words Mm -hmm. of everything. It was like 20 pages. Uh, And I sat there for like half a day and just kind of filled the whole damn notebook out so I can put everything on paper and then try to figure out like, let me try to dissect this and see how the hell am I going to start because I don't trust anybody. I didn't trust family members. I didn't trust my parents. I didn't trust friends because they're all shitty anyways. Right. And um, I didn't trust doctors. I didn't trust therapy. And we can go into that if you if you want to. Um, so I was like, okay, well, no one's going to help me out. So it's either up to me or we're just going to call it a day. And I was like, okay, let's see what I'm capable of. And then that's when it started. Climbing out of that hole. Yeah. So you talked about your destructive childhood. I see a lot of really successful entrepreneurs that come out of really stressful, if they make it out, because most don't make it out. A lot don't. Most don't. The ones that do and decide to go down that pathway, you know, the David Goggins, the, you know, I mean, I could go on. What is that about on the brink of destruction and coming back and how you kind of attack the world? So there's, there's, so Goggins has talked about this. I talk about this. There's very few people that actually talk about this. And this is part of like where my recovery coaching comes into play is we make peace with our past and we don't 
eliminate it, dismiss it, and make it and pretend like it's not there anymore. Like you go to therapy and they tell you work through your problems and then bury them. Mm-hmm. Well, if you bury them, that means they have an opportunity to be revived at the same time. That means that at some point in life there will be a certain trigger that will reawaken everything. So I knew that I had to become I had to build an alliance with my demons and make them stand the line with me. And I've had the saying as well, um, my angels are my guardians, my demons are my allies. Come fuck with me. (laughs) And uh, it's protected me this whole time. And so like anything that I put my mind to when it comes to like battling demons, working through my problems, or even like business or anything, um, that's, that's my thought process. And you know, David Goggins talks about live hard. He's like, live the hard life. Do the uncomfortable shit. Go through the things that make you better, bigger, stronger, and you will come out on top. But if you go down the easy route and do the things that are convenient, well, that's when you give your demons the ability to take over and it'll take you right back to where you started. You know, um, there's a saying some people use, I've been saying this, your demons don't take days off. So to this day, like I still got to battle the shit that I went through. Like oh, yeah. it's still there, but I've conquered it and I've learned how to manage it all. So I don't really, I don't have my down days. I mean, don't get me wrong. Everybody has their down days, mm-hmm. but I'm never at a point where like I'm so depressed. Like, fuck man, everything's back, you know? And, uh, that's, that's my thing is, is your demons don't take days off. That means you take no days off. Right. So every day is constant work. Every day is conscious effort into becoming better, into evolving, reading, being around the right people. I mean, that is so crucial. Like, even if, like, if we were to go back, because I'm, I'm, I don't really talk about this. I don't believe in celebrating sobriety, um, but I've been clean for 16 years. And uh, if this was like in the first two, three years of my, of, of me being sober, it's still very easy to get triggered. And if you're not around if you're around the wrong people when i say the wrong people we're not going to talk about wrong people as far as drug addicts but if you're just around people that still want to party have a good time that fun life thing that in itself can trigger your past and Mm. bring it back to life and take you right back to where you started Mm. and um so for me it's very crucial that i silence everybody around me that's not living a life of wanting to get to a certain destination um you know, so my friends are, most of my friends are double my age. They're, you know, 60s up, super wealthy. And they, they, they strive on their ambitions. Mm. And that's just kind of become a part of who I am. Yeah. So, again, we have a lot of similar, I didn't have a, a rough childhood, but I believe that you've got to keep those painful places, demons, on the front burner to keep you motivated 100% to get up and to do it. Um, I did a little dive into you a little bit and I, I want to know what the uh, 4 a.m. club is. Is that what it is? 4 a.m. club. Yeah. And that, is that working out at four or getting up at four? What, what is that? So, so, for me, so I wake up, so my routine starts at 2 a.m. I wake up at two in the morning. Again, your demons don't take days off. So I do it every day. And uh, I wake up at two in the morning and my first 90 minutes is pretty much all self-work. Self-work, self-talk, uh, self-reflecting, read, write, journal. Um, 
you know, and maybe I'll, I'll send out some emails to work for some clients, to work on some client stuff before I head out. And then at 3.30, I leave the house, get into the gym at 4 a.m. and work out. And that's about 90 minutes. I want to interrupt you there because I think that first 90 minutes is so important and so many people don't do it. Talk a little bit more about that and where did you, I know a lot of different successful people have different routines. Yeah, in that, that 90 minutes, where did you get your influences from and, and how important is that to you? Um, that was just my thing. Uh, cause, and I start, like I said, I, I started to do it about two years ago cause I had pretty much tapped out on where my level of success was and it wasn't satisfied with it. For most people, it might have been. But for me, I definitely was unsatisfied. And I wanted way more bigger things out of life. Um, and I knew that the only way I was going to do it was if I actually restructured my time and my schedule. And um, I knew that if the day starts at 4 a.m. while everybody else is sleeping, I'm ahead of the game. And so then I thought to myself, okay, well, I'm back at that time I was 34. I'm 36 now. I was like, well... It took me this long to figure this out. So I got some catching up to do the people that are already beating me at this. So that means if I wake up two hours before everybody else, while people are waking up at four who do 4 a.m., if I wake up at 2 a.m., I have a two-hour head start, which means at some point I'm going to catch up to these people and pass them up because right. the compound time right. will add up. Compound effect. Um, you know, so, that, so the importance of it is it sets up my mindset. It sets up my spirit. It sets up my day to stack wins for the whole day because at that point, and that's part of where the working out comes in too, because so like if we take now from two o'clock till five thirty, when I finish my workout, that's three and a half hours. That first three and a half hours, I have stacked so many wins at that point for myself. Now I can go out and deliver it to my people mm. and help them out. And at that point, there's so much momentum on my side. There's really not much that can pull me back, push me down, get in my way, trigger anything, disrupt my emotions. At that point, like I'm already on cloud nine and I'm just moving at that point. You can say anything to me and it doesn't really phase me. And uh, it's it's definitely, and I've, and I've taken that and I've put that into my coaching programs as well um, because it's just so effective. I have seen, and the people that know me, I've seen such a tremendous change just since I started doing that. Wow. I, th I, I feel and I know that I'm a whole different person since the day I started doing that. Wow. Um, and what's two, and a half, two, two years in doing that, I feel like I've, I've gained five years. Wow. Now, do you implement two things? Do you implement, uh, um, implement. Visual, implement visualization in that 90 minutes? Yeah. And... Do you have a success story with that? And do you do a gratitude journal or is that part of your journey? Yeah, so that's, all, so that's part of the journaling. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. So in that 90 minutes, so to be exact, I wake up and the first thing is, is I just stay in my thoughts and I just kind of go over everything that I'm grateful for in life. Business, friends, loved ones, people I care about, clients, the abundance I've had. Like everything, I just I just go through my prayers of gratitude is what I call it. And I, and I tell everyone that they should have that, regardless of which category I'm coaching them in. Um, 
and self-reflecting is extremely important and you have to be 100% honest with yourself. So if you have a shitty day, then you need to make sure that you self-reflect on that and dissect every hour of the day to figure out why it was shitty and how can you make sure it doesn't repeat itself the next day. Um, you know, so that's that's where the journaling comes in. And uh, it's funny you ask. I, I'll actually read this. Someone just sent me this. And um, it kind of hit me a little bit. It was, so this is one of my clients. He's like, I hired Coach Sean. It was to help me understand coaching, business, and most importantly, mental health from A to Z. Mental health and dealing with the darkness, demons, etc., from the past or present, he has helped me tremendously on understanding about wearing my, wearing my story and to embrace it all. I worked on stuff in the past I thought I had under control, Come to find out, I honestly didn't have any of it under control. I was actually a prisoner in my own mind. To be honest with the world, you must be honest. To, uh, to be honest with the world, you must be honest with yourself and stay true to yourself. Oh, it's awesome to have somebody like him to let you know it's okay to go to those places you come out of, because uh, you come out of the ashes stronger and brighter. Because let's be honest, if you don't take control of yourself before you walk out that door, it takes one second to mess your whole life up. And that's just because you didn't lock yourself, look yourself into the mirror and deal with your own shit. This is what this man has done for me, letting me know that it was okay to deal with my own demons on a daily basis. I take nothing for granted. I don't let, I don't take my foot off the gas pedal. I keep my foot heavy on the gas pedal and I stay focused and I work on it seven days a week, 365 days a year. So you take no days off. He's taught me a lot in three, in three months, I'm beyond grateful to call my call on my mentor, my coach, and my family, my brother. Nice. So that's that's a little bit of what I do. Right, right. From a, a client's perspective, so visualization and from your morning practice, at least what I call it, a morning practice. Have you created something? Like you can say, I I put it into my morning practice. And then I saw it in my reality. I created it in my reality. Yeah, I mean, I'll give this one is going to sound a little materialistic to people, but it goes so much deeper than that. So, um, part of my visualization is doing the things that I have to do to become the person I'm supposed to be. What does that person look like? And so then I reverse engineer from there. And through that process and that journey, I believe in hitting certain milestones and rewarding yourself. And those rewards should not be something temporary that are short-lived. Like a reward to me is not let me go on a vacation. Um, it's something that I could hold on to that I can look at on a regular basis as a reminder like, yo, you're on the right path, keep going. It's only, it's all, everything that I want in life is an arm's length away. It just might be six months from now, a year from now, three years from now. Like your badass whip? Yes. <laughs> so, you know, so like when I got it, I've had it for three, four months now. Prior to that, um, you know, and I, I'm very savvy with saving, investing, putting my money in places where it works for me, um, long-term, short-term money. I, I did financial advising for a small, for a little, for, for about five years. So I kind of have a pretty good idea about what to do with money. Plus my mentors in the asset management business as well. Um, but I was like, you know what? I want a new car. Like I want to really put all this hard work and the 20 hours a day that I work my ass off to just work on me. I want to, I want to hold on to something now before I go after the bigger stuff. And I was debating between two or three different cars and I decided on the Bentley 
And, you know, I was like, you know what? I'm not going to mess with the money that's already going in certain places. So I'm going to create more revenue and create another bucket for that. And so, you know, just daily, just every single day I worked hard and I looked at the car that I wanted and I, it was a constant reminder, stay on track, put the amount of money you need to put away. And, uh, you know, six months later I bought the car. Nice. And, nice. you know, I'm already working on the next one. It works, people. It does work. Um, before we get off of this topic, I want to. You, you just said that you work 20 hours a day. Um, I'm not a math major, but that means four hours of, of sleep. sleep. I'm a big component of how important sleep is. We're both coaches. How do you justify short sleep and longevity? I don't try to justify it. Okay. I believe in short-term sacrifices for long-term goals. I'm not going to be doing four hours of sleep for the rest of my life. I'm giving five undeniable hard years to that schedule. And by doing that, I will have every single thing I want. And it's already in the things that I set out to want, whether it's business, financially, certain things, it's, it's already, they've all already started. It's already in the process. So I, I devoted my time because, and here's the thing. When people try to talk about longevity and sleep, yes, there is obviously science behind it, but there are certain things that science cannot prove either. Oh, yeah. um, and I'm sure at some point you're going to hear, well, that's bullshit. Someone's going to say that, no, everything is science. Well, some things it's not. And at least that's my belief. That's my opinion. And for the most part, people that lack sleep and have a hard time through their day, their lives, they're living their lives differently. There's no um, structure to that schedule. I don't wake up tired. Tired is a bad word in my vocabulary. I don't use it. Um, I don't wake up stressed. I don't wake up tired. I'm not stressed during the day. I'm not freaking out about getting a little bit of sleep. Uh, I'm very focused. So when I go to sleep, my, that four hours of sleep is deep REM sleep because I have 100% exhausted my mental capacity in my hours of work. Mm. So when I go to sleep, I'm out and I'm out cold. So that four hours, that REM sleep that I'm getting is all four hours that I'm, that I'm out. So me getting four hours of REM sleep is more REM sleep than what most people get who sleep six, seven, eight hours. I agree. Right, so I wake up charged, ready, excited, fired up, and ready to kick the day in the ass. Okay. Um, and that's why, and I think that's where the biggest component is: is setting your day up a certain way, and having a certain mentality behind your schedule. That way, you can control the controllables. So stress is what, where the lack of sleep comes in and starts to deteriorate longevity. Yeah. You also, when you have a passion for life, which you obviously do, it's a different thing waking up. It's like you wake up excited to attack the day. I'm excited going to sleep. You know what I'm saying? So in my, in my sleep, like my, my subconscious is already operating on attacking the next day. So when I wake up, like, it's not like, oh, man, this is gonna, like the only times I wake up where I feel kind of struggling a little bit is when I'm just really sore. Right, after a big leg day. Yeah, you know, <laughs> um, and those nights it's uncomfortable to sleep. But, you know, but, but 
that's how my brain operates. So when I'm waking up, it's go time. Right. You right. know, and I have a few people that I send texts out or that I call, hey, I'll see you at four o'clock in the morning. Let's go. Um, there's a few people that I'll text at 2.30 in the morning. They don't reply, but, you know, um, and I don't, I don't try to press anybody on it. They have to come to me and say, like, hey, um, tell me a little bit more about the benefit of getting up so early. And I can speak for a couple of my clients, like, right out the gate. They're going, they're going to kill, they're going to surpass um, $200,000 for this year just because... I've instilled certain things into their mindset and putting them on that schedule where getting up early, self-reflecting, uh, journaling, starting their day before they even start the day. And then they're in the gym, they work out at four o'clock in the morning and then their business starts at 5.30. Yeah. So both of these two individuals are just barely gonna miss a quarter million by the end of the year. And they're, right. and we're talking about two individuals that went from barely even making three, 4,000 a month to now making over 20,000 a month. Now these are trainers. Uh, these two specific ones I'm referring to, yes. Okay, um, well that's a great transition into one of the things that you do. You coach trainers and coaches. I, I, I kind of gravitate towards being a coach because I think a monkey can tell you how many reps to do. <laughs> right. Um, it's all about helping someone build a lifestyle. Absolutely. So, um, and it starts with habitual conduct. Yeah, yeah. So what is that coaching business that you do to help trainers? Um, I'm sure I can use some of that. So what is that business? Uh, it's basically teaching trainers how to treat their business as a real business. Most trainers treat it as like a, just some fun gig. It's easy money, I like to help people out, I love to work out, I love fitness. I'm gonna go make like, you know, five, six, seven, eight, ten thousand dollars $10,000 a month. That's great and all, but at some point that starts to have wear and tear on you too, if you're gonna be working all day long on your feet. Trading time for energy, I mean time for money. Yeah, and yeah. If, you're not, if you're not making what you deserve to make, that's not something you're gonna last long in. Mm. Or if you do, you're going to hate it. Like I know people that have been trainers for 20 years. They're in their 40s and 50s. They look beat up. <laughs> and I don't mean that in any form of insult. Right. But they look beat up. Right. Um, it needs to be tra tra treated like a business. I'm talking contracts, legal, attorney back. Like you, you want to start to set certain things up so that you are – so that because here's the thing – if you treat it like a business, your clients are going to treat you like a business. So they know that when they enter into a contract with you, they know that I'm just as legally bonded to this as I am my cell phone. There's no bailing out because I feel like bailing out. Right. You're in a contract. Right. Um, and that's just one example. Right. Um, but it structures how you want to operate, when you want to operate, set your price points where doesn't matter what the competition is, is, is charging. Right. I charge $200 an hour and I've had people say like, well, so-and-so is 75. Great. You're more than welcome to go to them. But if you want my time, this is my time. This is how much I cost. It's not compromisable. And, uh, it's, and that's, that's expanded into other categories of businesses as well. And so like these, and that's, that's how it works for trainers. I try to help them just understand, Hey, 
either make a decision that you're going to want to leave the fitness business or the training business at some point down the line or make a decision to treat it like a real business. That way your customers will treat you like a business. So what's the name of that company and how do people contact you if they want to get involved and do they have to be in Vegas? They don't, they don't have to be, excuse me. They don't have to be in Vegas because um, a lot of it is done uh, uh, through like Zoom, phone calls or whatnot. Um, the only ones that for now, I'm about to expand this further, that, are, that need to be in person is on the recovery side. I have a handful of people that are um, phone call based only because uh, they're not local, and I'm about to expand that pretty soon, but, um, sorry, I was distracting. Yeah. Um, Don't know what good. that is. Okay. <laughs> um, but uh, the business name is, it's just, it's just my name, Sean Alexander Coaching, and I'm actually in the process of changing that right now as I'm, I'm, I'm rebuilding and restructuring my website, on my business, I've, I'm, I'm involved with the SEC right now for uh, a publicly traded company right now. So there's a lot of things that are going on. So I'm 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 going to plug everything under one umbrella really soon here, okay. um, and I'll be and I'll be announcing that. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's just uh, uh, it's just people reach out. They it's I don't really do a whole lot of marketing not yet. I'm about to do that as well. But it's pretty much word of mouth and referrals. And I've I'd like to say I've done a pretty good job you know, with the way I operate my business. And, um, you know, all I want to do is just help people really make a change in their lifestyles and make them understand you do deserve a better lifestyle than just being stuck in a rat race. Right. And make them understand and have a bigger, better vision that like, hey, life isn't about just making 10000 a month. Life isn't about only helping people and not rewarding yourself at the same time. Like you want to build a business where you reward people but it's also going to take you somewhere in life as well. Um, and to some people that might sound selfish, but at the end of the day, do you work to live or do you live to work? Mm. You know, and I've, and I am, I am a hundred percent believer coming from the past that I did. I'm a hundred percent believer in, in, in dreaming and creating and developing the lifestyle that you truly want in life. And any, and anybody can do that if they just commit hard all in for five years straight. And when I say five years straight, I mean five years straight. I'm talking no partying, no going out, buckle down, head down, head down, laser focus, blinders on, and you just go as hard as you can. No slowing down, no bullshitting around, milestone rewards throughout the path. Um, every 90 days, step away, recharge for three, four days, get away, get out of town, shut business off for a little bit, recharge, come back, pick up where you left off and go. And if you do it like that, you can really build whatever you want. Mm. Mm. And you give yourself clarity by doing that too. So you started, you have a couple coaching verticals here. You coach trainers, you coach recovery trainers or coaches? No, I, I, I coach in the recovery, mental health sector. So okay. addicts, alcoholics, depression, anything that falls in the mental health sector, I help with, I help with in, that, in that spectrum as well. That's in one-on-one -on -one coaching. That's one-on-one. -on -one. Now, 
you also you also coach trainers to build their business. Right. So that's where like that's where the business coaching comes in. So I do so I do fitness coaching. I have my fitness clients. I have business and mindset coaching, and then I have recovery coaching. Got it. And all this is tied to who I was before. So what I did was like a few years ago, I had, you know, I decided how can I bring all my gifts to life in a business? And, um, you know, fitness was, was fitness truly saved my life. It's not just some cliche saying that a lot of people use, like it really saved my life. Um, and then coming from the, from the history of drugs and pulling myself out of it and having an understanding of human behavior. Um, I realized like, you know what, that's something I definitely have a gift in and a message on how to really help people get out of a hole. Um, my whole, my whole thing on that is, is destroying the stigma that's out there Mm. on people that have mental health challenges. You'll never hear me, hear me say mental illness. Uh, there's a doctor by the name of Dr. Amen. I was just telling the story last night. He has a book that's called The End of Mental Illness. And the only way that mental illness as a phrase and the stigma will be removed from society is when people start stop judging those that have that come from troubled past or currently still are troubled. Like if you are using, I'm not going to be like, man, Gio's got a fucking, Gio's mentally ill, man. Like that, that, that shit should not exist because mm. at some point that's somehow going to come around and you're going to hear it and you might not know that it came from me, but that's another trigger. That's going to, that's where the shame, the embarrassment, the isolation, the depression, that's what keeps people in their hole because they're afraid of being judged because society has created this fucked up stigma that you're a piece of shit. Right. Right. So I believe, and it sounds like you, obviously believe because it's under your umbrella they're all so connected they fitness all, yeah. and mental health and yeah so because the mental health and the mindset and the business coaching part those clients actually get the fitness side from me as well right because it's it's a lot more it costs a lot more um so that naturally has a fitness and nutrition plan tied into those two, because on the recovery, that's where it has to start. Has to start with getting healthy, because your brain is so jacked up. The part of the rewiring process is just eating healthy and working out. Mm. We gotta, we gotta change those bad habits, and right. it starts just with that alone. Yep. And that alone, for some people, can literally change their whole world. Mm. And then same thing with the business and mi- mindset part. So, I'm a believer. Um, some people might not agree. Uh, but I believe to truly label yourself as successful, that means every category of your life has to be successful. Um, like, Gio, if you are a 10 in your physique, if you are a 10 in your relationship, and your finances are a 6, but you're happy, well, to me, that's not successful. Mm-hmm. Or let's flip it. Or if you are a 10 in your money, you make a million bucks a year, you are a uh, 10 in your relationship, you have an amazing relationship, and even though you might not care, but your physique is a five or a six, you're not successful. That's for me. But that's the standard I try to build within my people as well, my clients. Because to me, that's not living my ideal life and that's not living the best version of myself either. And right. I try to create that standard amongst everybody that comes to me for, for some sort of help. Because right. um, I 
would never want that life. Right. You might make some more money than me for now, but if you're not healthy in these other areas, then that's not successful and that's not healthy to me. I want all categories. So for me, spiritual-wise, church, stay close to God, whatever you believe in, finances, business, investing properly, relationships, be around people that understand and are in good relationships, and, uh, you know, uh, self-work. It's all connected. It's all connected. Working Um, out is just so much more than just, I want to be in shape. Which is another great transition into the fitness industry and the fitness world of bodybuilding competitions and how unhealthy some of the healthiest people in the world look and how unhealthy they are, the things that they do. What do you feel about that? (sighs) Clarify the things that they do. Uh... The things that they take, the foods that they eat, the the dieting that they do, um, the mental mindset that they take into competitions that boomerangs and and flips their world around, all that. Yeah, so I mean, those you you mentioned a few different specters uh, spectrums on that. So because there's what they put in their body, and then there's the mental health side. Two completely different categories. Um, the mental health side of the bodybuilding, fitness, competition industry, uh, man, it's not good. Yeah. It's really not good. Uh, you know, people get a lot of a lot of bodybuilders get into bodybuilding because of something they went through in their childhood. Um, a lot of people, men or female, get into. Uh, Competing because they want to see, they want to experience, like, how far can I push my physique? But if you're not aware and you're not careful, you're very quickly going to get caught up in the vanity behind it, too. It becomes very vain. It's all about how you look. Looking at yourself in the mirror, picking yourself apart. Um, External validations. People telling you how fucking awesome you are. And that is code red for me to help somebody out when somebody comes to me is because I am... I despise pretentious positivity. Um, it's probably the most, it's probably part of the most unhealthiest thing in the fitness industry. And this brings a lot of haters when I talk about this, but it's the truth. Like pretentious positivity versus reality are so different. Cause like I, if I'm just going to feed you surface level external positivity just to make you feel good, but we're removing the reality factor of it, you're fucked. <laughs> you really are. Like that will eventually circle back around and put you down a really bad path. And I've, I've had clients where I took them from being in a mentally healthy place, get super fit, super healthy, and get so caught up in the mirror that they're fucked. And I have to try to pull them back out. And it's one of the things that I preach in my coaching is do not get caught up in how you look. Do not get caught up in looking like you're a superhero. Like you might look like one, great. Still live the way you're supposed to live, still have the same habits, still eat healthy, but don't get so caught up and so vain about everything being so perfect. Right. And don't absorb someone telling you how good you look. Like, yes, if you were to compliment me, yes, Joe, I appreciate the compliment. But at the same time, I only give that just a speck of value. 
and not in a form of disrespect, but in a form of like, I have to take it with a grain of salt because a compliment to just how I look is a little superficial at the same time. Not that you're coming from a superficial place, right? but if I get caught up in people complimenting me, I mean, just look at where that, where I'm leading with this. Mm-hmm. Now I need compliments. I want another compliment. I want more compliments. Now I'm going to start showing off a little bit more in the gym. I'm going to start working out in the tank top the whole time. I'm going to start showing off my butt a little bit. Like all this stuff starts coming and now they're constantly looking for validation and how awesome they look. And, and it's just, and people soak that shit in. It's just magnified by social media. Oh like, my God. Phew. It's so bad. And, and at some point, cause if you get injured, something happens, you get sick, you start talking all this bogus crap and you start taking yourself down that same path. And it's just a, it's just a bad cycle. Yeah. Um, you know, like I, I wear, I'm either in a polo and pants or I am in full sweats because I don't want compliments. Yeah. Um, and not that I don't appreciate them, but I want to remove the intimidation factor for a lot of clients and, and, and people in business that I deal with. And I also do it to send out a message that just because you look great, it's not all about what you look like in the mirror and having to look at yourself in the mirror all the time just from a physical standpoint. Yeah. And I see it all the time. So my clients that I train have to wear a sweater when I train them. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. They have to as well. They have to. I don't care if it's fucking 200 degrees outside. They're wearing a sweater. Okay. Because I don't want them looking at themselves while we're working out. I want to remove that factor. Well, it's very, um, the word I'm, or the, the, idea i'm thinking of is monk like you know it's like your your the body is not driving everything it's it's part of all the work right right it's mental it's internal um working out is supposed to be about mental and internal growth it's not supposed to be about physical the 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 physical appearance and getting in shape and looking good is the byproduct of what you're really working out for yeah Right now on the other spectrum now. Yeah. If you are three, 400 pounds and you, you're trying to lose weight and you want to get in shape, that's different because that for someone that's 400 pounds, that is a lot of significant mental growth. I have to kick this shit to the curb. I got to kick the sweets and the ice cream and the candy to the curb. I have to eat right. I have to eat how that for them is a hardcore mental battle that they have to stay disciplined seven days a week, not cheat, not eat like crap in order to lose a couple hundred pounds because they're so heavily overweight. That for them is the mental work. That's their addiction. Right. (laughs) Guys like for you and I getting in shape, that's not the mental work. That's the byproduct. Right. That's just the result of what we're, of the effort we're putting in. But really we're going to we're going to war with ourselves to strengthen our mind, to strengthen our discipline, to take that discipline of being healthy and and carry that into our spiritual life, our family life, our business life. That's the purpose behind it. That's the that should be the ultimate goal of why anybody works out and gets in shape. Yeah. So back to bodybuilding specifically speaking of the female bikini category and I guess now the wellness category. Okay. Um, and mindset and mental health of those women. And talk to me about what you think about that specific. It's hard, man. It's a, it's a touchy subject. Um, 
Man, yeah. Pe- pe- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. People won't like it. But the thing is, I'm, unless you're really going to turn it into a career, you don't need to go on stage for someone else to tell you how you rank. Yeah. Fuck that. Man, like I have, I've had clients that have come to me and I have been able to, and not with the intention of it, but I have made them realize like, look, do you need to compete? Do you need to place first place? Do you need it for your career and long-term goals? No. Well then let's try to re- reroute this a little bit. And a lot of people have said like, dude, you're fucked up. Why would you take that away from somebody? I'm like, I'm not taking anything away from them. I'm actually bringing to life what they ultimately desire in life. And if that specific short-term goal does not align with their long-term goal, Mm. we're going to figure out a way to eliminate that. Yeah. Because there's no reason for you and I to do anything for today, tomorrow, for next year, if those things that we do does not align with with the 36, 60 month goals in life. Well, you know, also women, especially the women that could, you know, compete on that level, they're already objectified for their bodies. And they're signing up to be more objectified in probably the worst possible way you could possibly be objectified yeah. on a stage in a thong amongst people that are judging every yeah. aspect of and your social body. Me- and social media. So here's the thing, too. I believe, like, if this was, if this was shit, I'm not going to drop his name because um, him and I have had a lot of private conversations, but he is a very, very well-known high Olympic, uh, Olympian competitor. Um, the competition bodybuilding industry for both men and women is not what it was 10 years ago. Um, and social media wasn't even, it was, life was not about social media And yes, now if you use it for the right reason, social media is a great tool for meeting people networking, business, making money. It's a fantastic tool. But it's also a destroyer as well if you're caught up in external validations, pretentious positivity, pretentious compliments. Um, you know, and everything turns into how many likes can I get? I'm going to make post of a certain pose and show off my ass a little bit. And you know what? If I get 10,000 likes, awesome. If I don't, what the fuck's wrong with my algorithm? Right. Um, it's, uh, it's a di- fitness world is very dangerous right now. And I'm not trying to be negative. I'm not trying to say, and people mistake me for like, why don't you like to be positive? It's like, no, I love being positive, but I like to be real. Andy right. Frisella talks about this. Do you want positivity or do you want reality? Because just being positive doesn't create results. Just being positive doesn't create solutions. Just being positive doesn't give you direction. You need reality. And if I just feed you a bunch of bullshit, pretentious positivity and compliments, you're going to get so caught up in that that you're going to forget about the actual master plan on where you want to go in life because you think that's going to dictate how far you go. Yeah. And I have, I already know people. I have former clients that are like that too right now. So along the, the fitness world and, and the, the world we live in now on social media and looking good and, you know, there's the, the filters, but the other stuff that goes into the butts, well, the, the steroids, and well, is- let's 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 tie that in together for a second. You know, there was a, um, you know, God rest his soul. There there was a a very well loved Olympian um, that was competing, very well known. Uh, I believe Canadian. I could be wrong. 
Um, great body. Internally, externally, super healthy. Not here. Um, was dealing with depression so hard. Like I, I forgot if it was if he had written a note before he took his life or what it was, but um, he was, and he had all the validations in the world. Like mm-hmm. I said, everyone loved him. Um, I didn't know him personally, but it kind of messed me up a little bit for a couple of days. From a standpoint of, man, this is really where our fitness world is. This is the the world and the bodybuilding world that I got into for the love of bodybuilding, for the love of mentally challenging yourself is so far from what it was. Um, And it was just sad for me to see and hear that someone that was so loved take their own life because he had so many demons that he was battling and no one knew about it because he felt like he had to put up an image. He had to be the strong person. He had to show up for everybody else. This is me. I'm an Olympian. I'm going to battle this thing and go for the, go for the gold. And everyone looked up to him. So because of that, he dealt with his own demons by himself. And most people, like I said before, 99% of people cannot battle that shit by, their own, by themselves. It's very hard. It's very hard. I am definitely fortunate and blessed that I was able to do so, but most people can't. Yeah. And then it just eventually eats you up to the point where it's like, fuck it, I'm done. Yeah. And you pull the trigger, you know? And here's someone that everyone thought like super healthy, super healthy, super positive, kicked ass in life, making a lot of good money. He's a top 10 Olympian. Tortured. Mentally, just very unfortunate. Like there was nobody that could say anything bad about this guy. And uh, that's that's where the bodybuilding world is. So yeah, so then when you lead into, and that's where, you know, don't get so caught up in just your physical appearance. It's not what it's all about. Um, and yeah, you know, you got drugs involved, steroids involved, um, a lot of unhealthy habits, a lot of bad, negative, addictive behaviors yeah. that comes from the bodybuilding world. Yeah, and, um, and I, I think it even is more you know with all these influencers and just you know the road to uh social media fame is a lot attached to your body so whatever you got to do to get those abs you know i think more people than most people think are on something um what do you think yeah <laughs> At least the ones on social media. Well, for sure. Um, you know, because they see that certain people look a certain way and they're like, fuck, man, I want to look like that. Is the only way for me to do it is by getting on steroids? Okay. And then they start their they start their first cycle. And then the thing is, like, if you know what you're doing, you know what you're doing, but there's also a premature state in doing it too. Yeah. There's a premature state in, like, people who start taking insulin um, in the bodybuilding world because insulin is like the gut insulin breaks the governor of your body. The growth. It's, it's actually the most powerful anabolic anabolic to put in your body for yeah. growth. That doesn't mean go take it. Don't, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's very dangerous. Yeah. Um, there's, 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 there's pro Olympians that have died because of, of using insulin. I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, I won't drop a name, but I'll, we'll talk about it afterwards. Okay. Um, but bringing it back down to rookies and beginners that are getting the bodybuilding world, 
look, man, until you have 100% exhausted nutrition, dieting, training, rest, like your body is stopped for 6 to 12 months, okay. You want to start looking at other things? Okay. I don't recommend it unless you absolutely need like TRT treatment, like testosterone hormonal therapy. Then, yeah, I definitely recommend that. I tell everybody, go get your blood work done. You have to. 100%. Got it. You know, because like even um, I try to tell people to stay away from drugs, to stay away from steroids. Like you don't have to do it. You don't need it. And, you know, when you go get your blood work done, if your testosterone is low, for example, or for female, if their hormones are not so balanced, okay, now it's time to look at um, hormonal therapy. But that would be the only time where I actually do recommend it because I'm on hormonal therapy. I've done it. All the drugs that I did, and I did it during my years of growing up and evolving right. and my maturity. Is. Yeah, so I <laughs> jacked all that up completely. Yeah. So I have to be on it. But here's the thing. I didn't even start that till I literally tapped out my body. Like I was, um, when I started working out, I was 145 pounds. 6'2", 145. So I looked like a pencil. Um, and I devoted, when I, because I had to devote all my emotional energy and my mental capacity into it to stay sober, uh, into it, I literally maxed everything out. Seven days a week, ate right, trained right. Like, and when I say trained right, I don't mean just half-assed in your workouts. Because a lot of people say like, oh, but I've trained so hard and I don't work, and I'm not growing. Like, no, I'd be willing to bet you have not like literally taken yourself through the floor. Right. um, Where you're crying or throwing up or bleeding. Right. Um, from training super hard. Right. Um, I tapped that out for two years. And then when I came to a halt, um, after six months, I was like, I wonder if I can even reconfigure anything. And nothing worked. So then I was like, okay, now I'm going to go get my blood work done. And I come to realize, like, dude, I got my testosterone shot. And that's when I, when I started testosterone therapy. Yeah. And you, know? you got your blood work done. Yeah. yeah. I still do it. I do it every three months. Yeah. It's important. Um, but that's, that's, that's also the problem with social media. Um, they see jack dudes and then boys, not men, boys want to start doing it. Oh, yeah. And they're like, I want to look at that guy. Okay. Are you training hard? Are you eating right? Are you devoted to it? Or do you still want to fuck off on the weekends and party and drink and all that stuff? Because if you do, then don't even think about touching anything. Yeah. Um, you've talked about this on your podcast. Um, I've recently got into the book, um, it takes what it takes. Um, talk about the, the mental mindset of it takes what it takes to do the hard shit and, and to, to, to focus on your goals and what, what it really takes. We talked about the shortcuts of maybe steroids, but what, what, what are the things that you believe in to get to your goals? Are you talking about physically or in life? Both. Um, I think they're very similar. So first of all, you have to have, I talk about all the time, 100% absolute like non-negotiables. You have to have a list of like five to 10 non-negotiables no matter what. Under any circumstances, not for a single soul on the planet, there are certain things you will not compromise. Um, whether it has to do with your routine, your schedule, your beliefs, your core values, um, your standards, like these, there are non-negotiables that you absolutely cannot, that no one can hinder. And if they try to hinder it, 
bye. Kick them to the curb. They don't belong in your life. Because if they can't support you, then they're against you. Mm. Um, and then it's having a set of core values and standards. Like, what do you want out of life? What do you expect? You know, am I doing am I doing the things I'm supposed to do to be the guy that I that I'm supposed to be that I'm going to be in five years that I want to be in five years? If I'm not, then it's time to redirect the shit that I do. You know, um, Andy Frisella talked about this the other day. It was actually like one of the greatest things perspectives that I've ever heard. It was an analogy that he said. He's like, you know, he's like, if my best self ten years from now was looking at me right now today. Hmm. and actually judged and criticized and critiqued constructively my day-to-day activity, my schedule. What do I do during my free time? Would my best version of me 10 years from now look down to me and say, Sean, you're fucking killing it? Like, don't change anything. Or would he say, bro, what are you fucking doing? <laughs> you, need to, you need to change this bullshit behavior that you, that you got going on. You need to stop listening to people that have no business giving you advice. Mm. You need to be around the right people. Like all these things play a huge factor. Mm. You know, that's probably one of the best. And like when he's, this was, this was just this last week when he posted that. And when I saw it, I'm like, man, I'm going to use that. Mm. I'm going to use that for my, for my clients because it's that. such a fantastic perspective. Yeah. Um, and I've never looked at it that way. Right. I've always looked at it from the reverse. Like I need to be in alignment and make sure I'm doing the things to become the guy that I'm supposed to be five years and 10 years from now. Um, and then some. Um, but to reverse it the other way around right. is even crazier, more impactful. Uh, if you allow yourself to be to view yourself that way, if you can be that cold and truthful to yourself, most people can't. Right. Shit, most people I try to have this conversation with either look at me like I'm twisted right. or or say you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. And I'm like, okay, cool. Well, let's go, let's let's go, let's go compare bank accounts. Let's go compare businesses. Let's go compare what you do on a daily basis and what I do daily basis. Let's see who actually has so much more productivity. Right. Seven days a week. Right. And then tell me I don't know what I'm what I'm talking about. Let's look at some of my clients and what they're doing and how much they're making and how much more they actually love their current lifestyle than yours is. Yeah. So early on in this conversation, which brings us right back to here and what you're talking about is something you mentioned. You, as a kid, you had self-awareness. I know all the people that mentor you and the, the people that you read, about, read and follow all say self-awareness is so important. How does it play it, in your life? It's Because uh, that's really what that is, looking at your self and... So, it's it's self-awareness and self-reflection. Um, it's honestly, in my opinion, it is the most crucial thing to growing and getting to your next level every single day. And, you know, a lot of people, a lot of people throw the term next level around. And so it's become cliche, but there really is a next level if you're actually putting in the work, if you're actually willing to be honest with yourself and look at the, look at the dipshit in the mirror and say like, am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? Am I living my best self? Can I dissect my day? Can I be honest with myself? And from the minute that I woke up to the minute that I went to sleep, what did I do every single hour? Did I max those out? Or did I bullshit between two and three o'clock and bullshit between seven and eight because I just wanted to chill and relax? <laughs> Yeah. You know, it's all about becoming uh, uh, 
a peak performer. Like high performance is what I preach to all my clients, especially the ones in business, because becoming a peak performer is the only way that you're going to get to where you want to be. You know, all these wealthy people that everybody's heard of, Zuckerberg, Musk, Dan Pena, like all these people talk about high performance and maximizing every hour of your day till you get to where you want to be. Mm. You know, and then that comes with the self-reflection part. The self-awareness is being aware when you're doing things you shouldn't be doing. Being aware when your mood and your attitude and your energy shifts because somebody said something and you let it get to you or you saw something or um, you somehow redirect your energy and you're like, shit, I'm not supposed to be doing this. Let me rewind for a second and go back to where I need to be. But that also means being aware of the people that are around you too. Like you have to be so sharp and so precise and it's so important to be aware aware of those that are around you too, good and bad, mm. because you have to know how to shield off your energy and how to shield off the people that you don't want around you and being careful with, you know, befriending the right people. And again, the same thing, it's, it goes back to, to some people, this is going to sound negative, but it's not negative, it's reality because that stuff eventually can wear on you. Yeah. You've also talked about it. Many of the people we follow talk about it. Talk more about doing hard shit and being uncomfortable. Okay. We have more water. Thank you. Um, discomfort's the key to success in every category of your life. You know, you want a great marriage, you want a great relationship, you two got to do some difficult stuff. You know, you want a very successful life. You got to, you got to take the road less traveled. And that's a great book, by the way. Yes, it is. <laughs> um, you know, there's the narrow path and there's the wide path. Um, getting up at two in the morning is not easy. It doesn't matter if it, thank you. It doesn't matter if it's a habit for me. It's clockwork. Sometimes I don't even set the alarm clock and I wake up at one forty-five. You know, shit, I've not set my alarm clock and I wake up at 12.30. I wake up two and a half later and I'm, my brain's buzzing so hard that like I can't fall back asleep for another hour and a half. Right. Like, I've just got to get up. Right. Um, but it's still not easy. It's still difficult, but it's just become habit, right. you know, and developing a certain skill set and mastering those skill sets requires doing the difficult stuff, requires you to be in a very uncomfortable situation. Um, you have to be able to have uncomfortable conversations with yourself. You have to be able to take constructive uh, criticism and communication from somebody else. Um, I don't want friends that are gonna tell me what I want to hear. Right. That's what I'm talking about, pretentious positivity. Right. Um, and I've, I've been stressing that phrase actually a lot this last couple of weeks because I'm seeing more and more of it. And it's, it's honestly just disgusting behavior, to be honest, in my opinion. Um, it's just feeding people the, right me the wrong message. And um, living a hard life, that doesn't mean being violent, being a badass, fuck all that. Like living a hard life is doing the things you're supposed to do on a daily basis to get to where you want to be. That's literally what that means. If that means I got to work out twice a day because I got to lose, I'm 400 pounds and I got to lose a couple hundred pounds and that's what you got to do. That means I got to be disciplined with my business and I have to make X amount of phone calls every single day, then that's what I have to do. If I have to have the X amount of appointments every single day, then that's the shit you're going to have to do. 
It might not be comfortable. It might take time away from your family. Um, it might take time from you wanting to have some vacation time and chill and relax and all the other bullshit that average people talk about wanting to do. Then you got to be willing to make that sacrifice. Nothing good in life comes from not making sacrifices. You have to. Mm. That's lifestyle. That's how you build lifestyle. Yeah. Discipline. Yeah. Doing the things you have to do so that you can do the things you want to do. Right. Because <laughs> you, you, can't, you can't buy time, right? At least that's what we've been told. <laughs> but if you can get yourself to a position where you're making really great money, you can buy back your time. You can buy back everything because when you're in a certain position where money is n never an issue again and you are good on all the other categories of your life, you have absolute freedom across the board. You have time again. That's lifestyle to me, freedom yeah. and everything. Freedom to me is, you know, Never having to worry about the budget that I do that I have to have because I want to take ten people with me to a certain vacation spot. Um, absolute freedom to me is being the healthiest version of myself. Absolute freedom to me is having a very close relationship with God. Um, absolute freedom to me is being at a hundred percent peace with myself, my demons, my darkness, my past, and openly be willing to share that story. And not giving a shit whether somebody wants to judge me or criticize me. Shit, I get judged and criticized for the things I talk about right now. And it doesn't, and people talk shit about me sometimes too. And the thing is, like, it doesn't trigger me. I'm, I know what I'm doing is set, is, is set in the right example. And that's all that matters. Yeah. Um, I know you have some mentors in your life, and um, you're the type of guy that, I gravitate towards because I being in your presence makes me want to be better, which is really important to have. Thank you. Yes. If you don't have that in your life, find it yeah. because it's really important. Who are those people in your life? Can you talk about them? So, um, church and God is, is to some people, it's, like I said, that's, that might sound cliche. That's extremely important to me. When I'm out of town for business, that's probably the only times that it's very difficult. And I'm going to start working because I go to I go to Texas a lot for 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 work, and um, sometimes I go out to Colorado um, or Aspen for that matter for work. A little bit of luxury as well. But um, my spiritual life—that's number one when it comes to bettering myself but then my direct immediate mentor that i'm in contact with literally every single day yeah the man is i mean there's really nothing bad i can say about him he 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 lives the life and is the man that i want to emulate um in many categories and some things not and uh, but the thing is he'll tell you that i want to emulate that in sean and this man is double my age mm. um but he Live, he has lived a very successful life and he lives life on his terms and doesn't have to think about the penny that he spends and gets to spend it with whoever he wants and spend money on whoever he wants. Um, you know, and has multiple successful businesses. Him and I have several different uh business ventures right now that are in the works, and um, 
just being around him and the conversations that we have by default evolved me every minute that I'm spending with him mm. because I'm like, that's the type of guy I want to be like. Mm. I want to be my own version. Right. But be like him. He makes you want to be better. 100%. Yeah. Um, and there's a couple other people, and a couple other people are, are ones that are actually growing with me. We're evolving together. So we we kind of, like you say, we mentor each other. We bounce ideas off each other. I might run something by him. He might run something by me. Um, it's so important. And the thing is, like, neither one of us sugarcoats anything. So if I got to call a friend out on something and it's going to fuck them up, fine. They understand that. And vice versa. Like, my, I mean, shit, my mentor has called me out on stuff that's like, oh, shit, I didn't even see that coming. Right. Um, I didn't even know you had that in you. <laughs> um, but it's a reality check. And it's like, okay, I got it. Let's redirect. Um, those are the type of friends you want to have. And you want to have, and here, here's the value to that, because it's, you don't want to have friends that are just going to, number one, obviously tell you what you want to hear, but you also don't want to have friends that really aren't going to lock it down with how straightforward and honest they are with you. I'm talking to the point where it's like, if you don't fix this, we're not going to be friends anymore. Damn. That to me is a real loved friendship. People that will call you on your shit and have very black and white rules and standards about it. And again, some people say like, dude, that's just so raw that's so ruthless <laughs> yeah. it is but you know what that's how i grow yeah. that's how we grow is by being put in uncomfortable situations and being told things that make us very uncomfortable yeah. and you can either self-victimize about it or you can look at it as a lesson and it's like okay let me let me try to figure this out and replan reconfigure the pieces to the puzzle yeah um so inspiring like i said i know i've got some stuff to do just pulling out of this conversation um anything else that you want to talk about to the people that are listening how do people get in contact with you again um i'm sure the people people reaching out to you to get more uh, my Instagram is very easy. It's Sean underscore Parvi, P-A-R-V-I underscore Alexander. Um, that's got my email and contact information on there. So that's pretty much the easiest way to get a hold of me, whether you want to email me, message me, or DM me or whatnot. Um, that would be the most simple way. And then through that, you can, my website, my new website will be on there. should be up there within the next week as they're finishing it up. Okay. Um, that'll be another form of way to contact me. And if there's anything that you need help with, what I do will be on there as well. Um, the biggest thing that I try to just leave people with is always ask yourself this. And again, I say it a lot. So to some people it's going to start sounding like, you know, it's just going to sound too common. But I always tell people like, are you doing the things you need to be doing to become the person you're supposed to be? If you can be honest with yourself, drop the mic. <laughs> if you can be honest with yourself with that question every single day, success for you, whatever success to you means, is inevitable. If you can't ask yourself that question, and if you can't be honest with yourself, forget what anybody else thinks. Oh, it all comes back down to what you think, what you think yourself of yourself, and how you view yourself, and how you judge yourself. Uh, if you can't honest, if you can't answer honestly. 
you're only going to get so far. So Preach. again, am I doing the things I'm supposed to be to become the person I'm, I want to be? It's pretty simple. If you were holding a mic, that's when you would drop it. Drop, yeah. walk away. Peace yeah. out, y'all. <laughs> Man, thank you for your time. Thank you. I appreciate you having me here. People, you got to watch this whole episode. If you're not inspired by this man's conversation, you better check your pulse. Um, like, share, especially this episode. And until next time, Fit Fam, I'm out. Thank you. <laughs>